the most important thing in your life is the relationship with yourself because it's going to be your longest relationship and it's going to be your most intimate relationship. And so you need to like who you spend all your time with in your head all day. Hello, welcome to the Active Ingredient Podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and this is your destination for all things growth. Hello, welcome back to the Active Ingredient Podcast. I hope you're doing amazing. I am so excited to say that the podcast is growing and I'm just so grateful to every single one of you who listen and who have listened. And for those of you who are new here, my name is Sophie Wheel and I am the host of the show. I'm pretty much obsessed with all things having to do with our internal worlds and how they play out in external ways. And I just love talking about it and asking people questions around growth. I can't get enough. I'm also a brand builder and have been running and operating my PR agency, Nude Nation, for almost five years now. And I specialize in elevating mission-driven voices and brands in the growth, wellness, and home space. Most recently, I co-founded a vibrant tableware line with my little sister called Piano Piano, which means slowly, slowly in Italian. And it's truly one of the biggest joys of my life. And it's centered around slowing down and coming alive. I split time between New York and Miami. And while it seems like there is a lot going on and there definitely is, to me, it really is all one mission which is really to live the most joyous and authentic, true to me life as possible. And it manifests within these different vehicles. And all of these different vehicles allow for me to live my life in the most aligned and fulfilling way, which is what I want for every single person who is ready to step into that. And I know it's possible for literally anyone. On this show, I do solos and I have guests like I'm having today. And I really just try to share the process on real things that go on in these people's heads, in my own head, as I'm in my own journey, as it pertains to growing and reaching new heights. And like, what are the resistant points that come through that? And what are the real things that like we come up against? And I just also like asking questions about what their internal and external processes are. Um, I do my best to ask the questions that I feel like you would want. And I'm also obviously asking all the questions that I am genuinely so curious about. So just wanted to give kind of a little recap on who I am because we are growing and it's like, it's just really cool. I've been doing this for almost four years and I'm seeing it in the numbers and I'm just so excited. So with all of that, The guest of the show this week is someone who inspires me so much. She is just energy. I love to be around. She's so motivating. It is with the amazing Kira Jones, who is a wellness entrepreneur. She is a creator and founder of Cacti Wellness, an online wellness platform centered around what Kira has coined as productive wellness. On her platform, she has content that ranges from 20-minute workouts, breathwork, and meditations to productivity tools like how to set smart goals, how to reverse engineer your goals, financial wellness, social media app must-haves, and so much more. On this episode, we're talking about working through our relationships to social media, how she worked through her anxiety, depression, and eating disorder. So I did want to give that as a little call out not holding onto labels, creating a career in wellness, building a dream life that is personal to you, which I think is key for all of us to kind of just check in with ourselves on and so much more. If you enjoy this episode, I would really appreciate it if you can give the show 
five stars wherever you listen. It actually really helps grow the podcast. And I think that that's what's happening. So if you do love this episode, please give us a five star. So with that, Kira, welcome to the show. The first question I ask everyone is, what were you like as a kid that you remember? And it could be what you remember or how like your family describes you or people that knew you when you were really little qualities of little Kira. Super creative, very like never shut up. (laughs) There's actually a couple funny stories of I was with my mom and my aunt. We call her my aunt. She's not actually my aunt. And I was like babbling on. I was like two and my aunt didn't have kids yet. And my mom looks at me after like 10 minutes of this and just goes, Kira, could you just shut up? (laughs) And my aunt was like so appalled. And my mom's like, she just never stops talking. (laughs) So I was very talkative, still am. Always that I was like an old soul. Like my mom would be like, she's like four going on 40. In what way? Like what were you tapped into? I was always very into like just what older girls were doing. Like I loved being around 15 year olds when I was like five and just observing. And then I would try to dress like them and Also, my parents were really good about, like, we never had a kid's table when there was people over. We were always just kind of, like, with the adults. And I think that that, I just like to talk about, like, adult things and be in on the conversation. Yeah. Do you feel like you're like that now? Fully. I'm definitely an old soul. Like, I relate a lot more to, like, people. I've always had friends that are older than me. Like, my husband's eight years older than me. He's a young soul, though. So it's, like, nice to have the balance. Totally. But I think definitely, like, I— Are you an only child? No, I have a younger brother. Okay, but you're you're older. He's five years younger. So it's, like, kind of an interesting age difference. Totally. You're not super far, but you're also— Like, we were not ever in the same school at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I relate to that a lot, actually. I feel like even now, the people that I gravitate towards the most are either people that are my same age but also have that quality of being gravitated to older right. people or just older. people that are older. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And like, I think it's like a experience or like just a level of depth and wisdom that like, I don't have the capacity to have like superficial conversation. Totally. I just literally can't do it. I also Clearly. think it's like, <laughs> I'm such an introvert. Yeah. But really? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But wait, let's define that because I feel like a lot of people are, my parents are like, you are not an introvert. And I'm like, you don't understand. I'm totally. like, it means that I get energy. Yes. So okay. like, re- that's how I've heard it too. How do you recharge? Do you recharge by like being around a bunch of people or being isolated and like by yourself? And I definitely recharge being alone. I like being around people. Me too. And also whenever I'm, once I'm out, I enjoy it. But like, it's something that is not comfortable for me to be like, I'm not like, okay, I'm done with work. What am I going to do social tonight? I'm like, I'm done with work. I'm going to like spend the next three hours completely alone. 1000%. But I also, I've been like recently finding that like, I think because I'm, there's more people in my life now that I feel are so much more in alignment with me that I'm actually feeling super energized by being around certain people. Yeah. And like letting go of things that like no longer drain. And so now socially, I'm like, I'm experiencing what it feels like to be energized by people yeah. and leaving with more energy. Which is rare. Which is rare, yeah. but I'm starting to find that. And I've, I had never experienced that before. And I would always identify as I'm introverted because I only got energy from being by myself and I would be drained in all social scenarios. Yeah. But now I'm starting to tap into what that's like. And so I, I just think it's like interesting to also not hold on so much to a label of like, totally. you know what I mean? Okay, I actually just... Wait, it was your podcast (laughs) (laughs) about the not having labels with like mental health things. And I really relate to that because 
I have been like in and out of therapy, on medication over my life for different mental health issues. Issues, if you want to call them that, or just like human experience. (laughs) Yeah. I think all of those things can serve their purpose, but it is true, especially when you're young, you're super impressionable. And I think in some ways, labels can be good because you can be like, oh, I identify with that. Like, I finally feel like someone understands what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. But then it can eventually, like, you don't want to attach yourself too much to that. And obviously, I won't say who it is, but there's someone, like, close to me in my life that I feel, it's like a perfect example of that. Like, I feel like they have to keep themselves in this, like, stressed state because that's how they define everything. Like, every conversation is them being, about them being stressed, about them being anxious, about how they're doing with that. And it's like, I really don't know what they would, how they would relate if they couldn't use that. It's like a safety thing. Actually, that episode that you're talking about was with that therapist. And she was like, it's a really tough thing because it's a neural pathway that has been reinforced over and over Mm -hmm. and over and over again to the point where it's really hard. Like, I mean, if you have a meditation practice and you can like experience what it's like to separate yourself from a thought and actually witness it, the more that you can actually start to do that, you can see that like that thought isn't really the truth of who you are yours, even it, yeah. or yours exactly but when it's so tightly wound and you don't have that separation and the thought of eliminating something that is literally your identity it's actually fight or flight for that person mm-hmm. so it's like for whoever it is that's identifying in that moment it's serving a sort of purpose because it's like for that moment in their time in their life this identity is helping them survive at certain points you'd like start getting glimpses of what it's like to not have separate that. it yeah. a little bit. And then the more space you can have between that and the label or between the real you and the label, the more you feel safe to like let go of it. Yeah. And I also think it's like really freaking hard to get to let go of 1000%. Like, if you're in a depressed state and I'm speaking from experience for me personally, it's like if I'm in a depressed state or have been going through like a long period of feeling anxious all the time, it's like, you know, that once you're on the other side of that, there's like a lot of work that has to be done to correct. And so if you can just hold on to being that way, then you kind of have this, like, you don't have to, to yourself. I'm not saying that to make it seem light or like easy, but I do think that I can see now how like that may be holding on to the label or being like, well, I'm like this because of this kept me in things longer than I needed to be there, you know? Are you willing to like go there of like, what was it that you were experiencing? And then like, what were the points of when you started to actually choose things that were helping you get out of that? In high school, I like dealt with that a lot more. So I think it's a really common time for Mm -hmm. these things to kind of be coming up because you're post-puberty, your hormones are settling into like their new normal. And also you're like understanding the world a bit more. You have more responsibility. So you're kind of like, I think becoming who you're going to be longer term in a sense, like the base of that. And you're starting to understand that there's separation between you and your family of origin, but like still very much in family of origin. Yes. And you're still like constantly reminded of all of those things because you're living in the same place and you're with the same people most of the time. And so that's when things started to come up for me at first. And it manifested as, okay, actually, this is really interesting because I also learned something new about this this year. But at the time, it was manifesting as what I felt was anxiety and depression, more so at that point, like on the anxiety side. Mm -hmm. And I also had an eating disorder. I had bulimia all through like junior year of high school through like freshman year of college. And it it all kind of went together. Like it was very much like a control thing. Mm -hmm. I knew that, like I could was self aware of that aspect, but it that's didn't actually mean I could pretty stop it. right. But that's actually pretty crazy, though, that like you did have that awareness, and that's while it I was think, like, like live having some 
sort of a label in at that time was really helpful for me because I was able to be like, okay, this is what it is. And this is why sometimes these things happen Mm -hmm. and why sometimes people feel these things and like what bulimia really usually is stemming from and like doing that research and then going to therapy. What does it stem from? Usually it's like any sort of eating disorder. A lot of times it's like a control, a need to control something because you maybe feel out of control in like some unrelated area area of your life. And then, of course, there's, like, body dysmorphia and other things that maybe are a little bit more, like, psychological that are tricking you to think you need to control even more. But I think it becomes this cycle of when you're so focused on anything, that's what you're seeing. Especially when it's, like, your body and you're looking at it every day and you can feel the changes. Yeah. It's easy to, like, perpetuate. So that was, like, pretty awful. But I was also—I just—it's funny because I look back and remember being, like, happy. Having That's a lot of happy so memories. Interesting that you say that because I feel like I talk about mental health all the time in my journey too. And I I sometimes fear that like talking about it makes it seem like these 10 years of this journey have been like so hard and difficult and like dark. And it's like not at all. Yeah. Like not at all. There's definitely moments mm-hmm. that are fucking terrible yeah. and hard and dark. But like even in the super dark times, like there were literally moments within those days that I was laughing. Right. Like there were moments that like were fine. First of all, it's like an ever-evolving thing on like the day-to-day of what you your experience with it is like. Yeah. But that's I love that you said that because you look back at it and you're like, there were moments that were really dark, but it's like a lot of it was also light. Yeah. So how did you start identifying like within that? First, how did you start getting help? Because I feel like now it's super normal, but I feel like someone in high school now is seeing mental health being spoken about at a different, totally. at a different rate than what we saw. Like literally when I started going to therapy... No one was talking about it. Legitimately no one. So how did you start? And then how did you start to separate yourself from like being like, this isn't even who I actually am? Okay. So I think that this isn't even who I actually am part is like a lifelong journey for me, or at least I'm still on that journey. Like I, I know it now, which is helpful. Like you said about the self-awareness, like Mm -hmm. I'm able to, I know that's the truth. But then, like, actually believing that is a different thing. And when it's, like, when you're triggered and it's, like, live in action, that's when it's hard as fuck to remember. Yes. Totally. Right. And it's, like, that's when you need to pause, but it's the hardest time to pause. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm huge on routines because if you can do them when you're feeling good, then you still have them when, like, things aren't feeling good. A thousand percent. Whether it's mental or just, like, life stuff in the way. Totally. Like, if you have a baseline that you know you can return to it, like, that takes one thing off the table Mm -hmm. in terms of trying to get through something. But I think with the the getting help thing, I was really, really fortunate because my dad is a scientist. My mom was a special ed teacher. They both know a lot about both chemically and like emotionally how mental illness and, you know, mental health issues work. Mm -hmm. And I've always been in a family where we just like talked about those things a lot. That's amazing. Yeah, it almost didn't. I guess like in my family, it didn't feel that taboo to talk about. I will say someone told me, like one of my friends in, I think it was in high school, had told me that she was seeing a therapist and like had anxiety. And I was like, I brought it up to my mom and I was like, I feel like I maybe can relate to this and that would be like a good thing for me to do. And then it was, my mom was immediately like, okay, of course, like let's call. She she knew who to call and what to do. Yeah. But like that's like, that is the power of that. And even like I I just did that episode on therapy and it's like, Still, even though the stigma is definitely lifted, it's like really hard to actually start, especially like finding someone. So like if you have someone in your circle that is like, oh, I do go. And then even if it's not the person that you end up seeing, like at least asking the question or even the fact that you like talk to your mom about it was because you saw someone. So it's like the more that we can just be open about that stuff, it points other people in the direction that can also help them. Totally. You know? Yeah. 
I mean, I get it. I'm down to be open about it in like the right situations, mm-hmm. but it's not like I'm talking totally. about it all the time. Totally. Or like, especially at the time, I wasn't like bringing it up to everyone. So it's also like, it's hard because you want to talk about it, but you also don't want to make it your personality. You don't want to have every conversation revolve around yeah. it. It's so funny because as it does go through waves, like you could be having a hard time and tell someone and then they bring it back up a week later and you're like, I'm fine now. Like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. You know? And it's like, so sometimes I don't tell people because it's like, I know I'm going to be fine. So I'd rather like use my tools that I now have to like deal with it. That's and then, so true. You know, so yeah. that I don't have to be getting checked in on, even though obviously people mean well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, totally. I'm fine. I was just having a bad day, you know? Yeah. What tools do you have? And I, I do want to go back to like how you started to create the space and like how we got her, how you got out of that. But when it's live, like what tools do you have to like not give it the energy or not give it the space? Okay. So I would say like, I see the biggest difference in my day the way that my day and my mood plays out based on how I start the first 30 minutes of my morning. And like today, I didn't feel like I had time, quote unquote. So I skipped like some of the morning things and I was like really anxious this morning. So basically what I do is like in a perfect world, I wake up, my phone's in the other room. So it's not like I'm grabbing it anyway. But ideally I would journal like my gratitude journal really quick, two minutes, and then meditate before I take my phone. Usually that process plus like getting up, you know, like splashing some water on my face, whatever is like 20 minutes total. And then I'll try to even like make my coffee before I get my phone. And that makes such a big difference because it's just like, I set basically an intention and like a point to my day and nothing can have put me in a bad mood yet because there's been no Totally. You've created space. Yeah. This week, I just have a lot going on. So I'm feeling like a little overwhelmed. So I'm like, uh, I just need to like see if anybody emailed me back about this thing. Yeah. And then they didn't. And then it was like stressing me out. And I'm like, I didn't need to know that right now. Like I could have waited 20 minutes to know that. Totally. And changed the course of my day. So I think that's like the biggest one. And then just breathing. Like breathing is so underrated. (laughs) Okay. I do want to go back to the time that you were really experiencing this live. What were the main tools that helped you? And was this kind of what catapulted your, well, like diving into wellness journey? 100%. I grew up, just as some background, like I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin, which is not like a super small town, but it's Midwest. You're not, you're not getting like the advancements in wellness that we have on the coasts as quickly. It's like a couple years later, things will start to come through. And that, especially like at the time I was growing up, like there weren't really group fitness studios. Like the only health foods option would be like at Whole Foods and you know, my family's like, we don't shop at Whole Foods. It's so overpriced. Like it just wasn't <laughs> yeah, really yeah, a yeah. thing. And I don't even think like at the grocery store, they had like a health food aisle at the time. So in other words, I just wasn't super introduced to like health and wellness at all, besides from like a mental health, more like scientific clinical perspective. Mm-hmm. And also I was in musical theater. So I was very like active growing I up. Yeah, I was like a huge theater kid. I love that. Yeah, choir, theater, like loved it. But I never played So like performance is like a big thing for you? Yeah. So during high school, I don't know. I feel like I was like self-sabotaging the whole time. I mean, I went to (laughs) therapy, which was good. And I was like very not resistant. I like wanted to go. And I was on medication, which helped. But I think also it's just like you're going through so much at that time already. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to know like what's working, what's because of what. And so I don't know, I, I wouldn't do anything differently, but like, I don't think I found tools then. Okay. And then when I got to college, I moved to Chicago. So I was like in a new place, didn't really know anyone, 
got to meet really amazing people again. And so that was like a great fresh start where I got to find people that weren't just school people, but I like actually felt like I really mm-hmm. did too. And I got super into going to core power yoga because I lived above one. Mm-hmm. Now I don't even really do yoga. I know you're like a big yogi. <laughs> I like it. I just like, it's not my main source of Everyone has to find their thing. Totally. Yeah. But at the time, I was like going every single day. And it was kind of, you know, yoga, it's like you're getting the mindfulness aspect too. It's not just about the physical. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'd argue it's like more about the mind than the physical. So that was like my first time that I was like, wow, I I feel really good doing this. And like, it was like a relief. Release, relief, release, kind of both. Relief, all like of it. yeah. I still feel that every time I go to yoga. Yeah. So that was, and it was the first thing I'd ever done in my life that felt like an immediate wow. I feel like I want to keep doing this because it's making me feel good. And then from there, I started working front desk at like a bar studio, and then I worked front desk at Equinox, and I was like getting really into meditation. How long have you been thinking about cacti? And also, what is cacti? Okay, cacti wellness is a platform for ambitious women who want to take care of business while taking care of themselves. So it's a productive wellness platform. We really focus on, like I was saying earlier, like routines, consistency, building really good habits. So we offer a lot of like time management, goal setting, those types of workshops. But then we also have workouts and meditations, which is like what most people know us for. Mm -hmm. So everything's under 20 minutes. It's like very... The workshops too? Everything. Yeah. Something will go two minutes over and I'll edit it. So it's 20 minutes or less. Really? Like I'm big on that. Everything's under 20 minutes. I love that. And something that this is kind of a side tangent, like people are like, I don't have time for this stuff. I don't have time for exactly. this. And it's like, we spend, I mean, I get my reports on how much time I spend on Instagram. It's like, if you want to, you can. Like 20 minutes is legitimately like we spend like three hours on Instagram a day. Well, I had, when I had the concept for Cacti, I knew I wanted to do something that was like, originally like workplace wellness. I was thinking maybe I would do something that was more like in workplaces. Then obviously when the pandemic happened, I'm like, we got to bring this online, Mm -hmm. make this more accessible. And I was going back and forth with my husband who was like talking it through with me about what's going to make this sticky. And I was like, well, the number one reason that people don't work out or don't have a wellness practice is because they don't have enough time. That's the number one excuse. That's like a fact. And then that out of a day, a nine to five day, the average person, the average, they call it knowledge worker, basically like someone that's doing a job that's like they studied for and, mm. and now they're, you know, like practicing corporate, yeah. your your general job. Most of us out of a nine to five day, you spend less than three hours productively, like actually doing productive work. The rest is like looking at your phone or like just kind of scrolling emails and wasting time or planning meetings, but not actually having the meetings, you know, those types of things. So that is so interesting. Where did you get that insight? Just like research. Yeah. Well, I want to hear more if you have more insights, but I also am curious on what you think of like this paradigm shift in how we're working. Right now you're servicing with your app and like the content that you're creating, this person that's in this nine to five, but like as we evolve and the way that we're changing is changing, it's already happening. Mm -hmm. How do you see that evolving with Cacti? So I think Cacti is kind of perfect for it because the, the best part is like most of our workouts you can do from anywhere. A lot of them, like the majority of them are no equipment. But then, you know, even if they are equipment, if you're working from home, you can grab yeah. like nothing. It's not like crazy equipment. It's like a couple yeah. dumbbells or something. And also just because it's so quick. So like we get a lot of feedback that people love to do them when they're traveling because you can do them in a hotel room. We're actually looking to like partner with 
more hotels and do like virtual programming in hotels and in spas and things like that, both the meditations and the workouts. So I think that that'll be really nice because it's like a through, like a thread, no matter where you go, you Mm -hmm. can kind of be doing your similar routine. And that's what I'm all about. And I think like, to your point, we spend 20 minutes either, whether it's in the morning or in the evening after work hours doing who knows what. So like, we probably don't even know what most of the time. No, literally. Like time just gets away. I see those reports and I'm like, what was I doing? Mm -hmm. And okay, actually, what is your relationship with social media as someone who's creating on this platform all the time? Like, how do you, knowing that like you literally stand for productive wellness, like how do you navigate social media addiction? I legitimately do not have a handle on it. So SOS. Okay. I actually would like to say, not that I never scroll because that's, would be a lie, but I do feel like I have a pretty healthy relationship with it. And I think that's taken a lot of time, but a lot of it comes from like when I had the least healthy relationship with it, it was because I was comparing myself so much or like, look, almost like there's a word for it. When you're like toxically scrolling, even though you're like making yourself hate yourself more and more, it's like doom scrolling or something. Like, it's like, I knew what I was watching was like making me not feel good about myself or like where I was in my career or where, you know, but I couldn't stop. And like, that was the worst because that's, I think, like an addicting feeling in a way. I literally feel like an addict without, I have no control of it right mm-hmm. now. Where I'm like, I will literally like not even know. I, I'm like, I need to go look for something for a client and then I'll find myself literally just that's going off do. on a, but that's, it's really hard for me because like for what I do for work and that may be an excuse, but it's like, I sometimes need to go on this app for work. Yeah. And I have a really hard time. I'll literally go on and then Literally 15 minutes later, I was like, why the fuck was I, why was I here? Yeah. And this is an area of my life right now where I'm trying to understand like how to navigate it within what I do for work. And I'm sure people listening feel similarly. So I don't know if I've just, it's because I've, I mean, you too, like I've been doing it for so long that something with social media for like over five years, every single day. And it's like, I am so sick of consuming, but I love creating. So I actually like find that I go on and post my stuff and then maybe like look at a couple people's stories that are But then do you not look, this is like so lame, but like, do you not look at your own stuff 5,000 times? When you started, was that ever the case? Okay. Because like, I'm just starting to like put stuff out more. to the camera, I'll rewatch it. Not that much. Like I'll see that in the theme. beginning. Did you? Because like I don't know if that if that's just like the phase that I'm in right now. That I'm just like I'm so not used to doing that. That like now I'm just that's my relationship right now with it. Where I'm like I just need to do it and never look at it again. But I I if I'm being honest, I don't. I literally go and look at it five thousand times. What are you looking at it for? I don't know. I actually don't even know the answer. Like, are you reviewing it or you're just kind of like mine? I'm just like mindlessly looking at it. This your stuff. Yeah, my client, like I'll literally look at the things that are like in my world 5,000 times without consciously thinking of the why. Huh. I wonder if you should think of the why. No, totally. And I but have maybe sat that there. would help. Like, what are you like? Are you to like, me, it's nervous like a tick. that you mess something up? No, to me, it's like a tick. It's like, I'll literally be there. And I'm like, why am I here again? Are you refreshing to see people like commented on it? No. So interesting. No, I don't do that. If like, I post a reel, I am looking to see how many views are, are yeah, like if it's I'll like hitting, if it's like hitting a stride. I do that for sure. I don't like necessarily watch it again, but I'll keep refreshing the views thing for the first five minutes or so. Yeah. Because I want to make sure things are tracking the way that they generally do. Totally. The reason I was asking about the like likes and comments thing is because if I'm posting stuff that's sponsored by a brand, I'm more anal about 
how is it getting traction? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel a big responsibility, even though we all know it's out of your control on some level. Like I can post two very similar videos, one with a product and one without. And they're both like a morning routine that are filmed the same way, edited the same way. And like, I don't necessarily know which one's going to do better. And sometimes something branded does really well. And sometimes for whatever reason, that video like didn't take off, even if it's in my normal style. And like, sometimes brands don't like that answer, but I do what I can. Yeah. So it's like, that will stress me out because I want things to perform well for them so that they feel like it was a good partnership. Totally. Less than for me. I think the other thing is like, I put out so much content that I can't even keep track of like, comparing two things together because I'm like putting something else out. So I forget about the one from last week. You know what I mean? Okay. So actually for someone listening who's maybe interested in this line of work, yeah. like what, and I've asked you and picked your brain on this a million times, but what is something that you would tell them if they're like, it's 2023 at this point, like this ship has sailed. Like it's really hard to become a creator these days, the algorithm, the algorithm, whatever. Like what would you tell someone who has like an itch, something to say and doesn't know where to start? First of all, I mean, I know people go viral overnight. In a way, I guess, like, I've grown a lot. You have. No, you really have. Not overnight, but, like, in the last two years, like, you have totally really grown. But what I will say is I was doing it for two or three years with, like, what felt like no traction. Like, you know, maybe two followers a day. Then some days, like, negative five. Like, it was, like, that kind of growth. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, I did that very consistently for a very long time. And How did you stay confident? Like, how did you, like, keep the momentum going? I think because I enjoy creating. So like I wanted to be putting content out. I remember it being frustrating, like more so from the fact that like I wanted to work with certain brands and I knew I needed some sort of platform in order to like catch their eye from a content perspective. And like, I don't think I would ever want to be a full-time content creator because I I like using my brain in a lot of ways. And that's not the, like I people that can edit all day and then create, like, I don't want to film every day. Mm-hmm. So I give people props that like, no, no, can do I'm that doing it now for out. my, for my tableware company. And I, the respect that I have for creators. It's so hard. Oh my God. I know. Oh my God. Okay. Sorry. I just cut you off, but no. Yeah. So I think like my thing with that is just, it's the same thing. I, the same advice I would give to someone that's trying to like build a workout practice. You have to find something that you like, something that feels good to you because you have to want to do it. You have to want to do it 80% of the time because 20% of the time you're not going to want to do it anyway. So you have to like remember that you actually like it, the other 20%, but it has to be something you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And I think there is something for everyone. So for example, like before Reels became a thing on Instagram, that's when I wasn't growing. And I think it's because I, again, so much respect. I'm not someone that wants to spend time. I don't really put makeup on in the morning. Like I'm not someone that can like pull myself together enough and then go shoot all over town, find a location. Like some people that's like the art to them. To me, it's not. To me, it's like capturing little moments in my everyday. And then certain things I like, like to edit and make extra aesthetic, but it's like, if you watch my content, it really is just like me making a coffee, me making my bed, me going to meetings, like me getting dressed for the meetings, like things I'm already going to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like the most fun for me is sharing like these almost old school YouTube vlogs, but combined into a seven second clip. So I think like once I figured that out, that's when I started growing really fast. And it took you two years to get there. Yeah. And then it took me posting once I started reels, posting every single day for like three months before I was even seeing new followers. So I guess to your question about advice, it's like, you have to like it. 
So whatever you're trying to do, make sure that you find a way to make it fun for yourself. Obviously, some people, it's just like, that's not the fun part of business, but find a way or maybe find someone who's extremely good at it and have them help you. I have help too, by the way. Like I have a team. Yeah. So it's not like I'm doing everything by myself. I manage my Instagram by myself, but like my business Instagram, I don't touch. So I think yeah. finding the right team, finding the right people, and then figuring out how you can be creative, how you enjoy being creative, and then being super, super, super consistent. That's the thing, man, the consistency. What is like your biggest message and mission that like for you, you're like, this is end all be all. Like if this can really happen and like this impacts people in this way, that's enough for you. What is that? The message that I would want people to know the most. Yeah. I think just that like, we don't need to settle and that we can, you can have it all. And what having it all is for different people is going to be something different. Like what you're having it all is, is going to be different than mine. But when you get really clear on your priorities and you get really clear on the things you enjoy and what your dream life would look like, like truly just for you, not like what looks cool on social media, but like, what would you want to spend every day doing if you could? You can. And like, for me, those things are work and feeling my best and having a lot of energy. And so I prioritize those things. But I think it's like, it's not easy, but it's more simple than people make it. I agree a thousand percent. And I also think that it's not easy, but when you tap in, it flows. Yes. And there's a difference between bringing a rock up a mountain and it feels hard at every step of the way and ease and flow. And it could be difficult with an ease and flow. Like there can be hard moments, but that's what I look out for a lot. I'm like, does this feel like I'm coming up against a lot of resistance? Because if it flows, it feels more like it's mine. Yeah. You know? My husband and I have this saying where it's like, there's kind of two phases to anything that you do. And sometimes you're pushing and sometimes you're pulling and you want to be in the state where you're like pulling, like you have something, it's still work. I love the word flow, but I think that even when I feel like I'm in flow, like you have to still be doing the work meanwhile, totally. even when things are starting to come totally. together. But if you're pulling, it's much easier. Like you're like, come on, we're going this way instead of just like pushing and just waiting forever for yeah. it to feel like it's What would you hill. say is like the line? Because sometimes I, I have wondered, I'm like, okay, I feel like I've been pushing and pushing and pushing mm -hmm. for a really long time. And like you had the foresight to keep it going and then it turned right to a pool. So for someone listening who might be in like the early phases of pushing, where would you say that the line is between like, this just isn't it? Like you're like pushing and like, it isn't it, it's time to let it go or push through and the pull will happen soon. Okay, I love the pivot because I think that like you might have to push something different five times before it feels like it's working, but you might be pushing for that fat. Let's say it's like each thing you're pushing for three months. You might be pushing for 15 months, but you're trying different things. And I think that like, that's important. Not every idea is going to work. Not every idea is going to be good. Not every idea you're going to love forever also. So that's a huge one. Yeah. Like, we evolve out of things that we love. Cacti's been like four different businesses, all the same topic, but like taken very different forms. Mm -hmm. And I think it will continue to do that. And part of that's what people want to see. And part of that's what I enjoy doing because mm -hmm. that's the beauty of having your own business is that you get to decide what you're spending your time doing. If you hate what you're doing, or even if you liked it and now you hate it, like don't spend one more minute doing that because things will not come easily if you're not, if you're doing something that's not aligned with you. A thousand percent. And so I think like doing that gut check of what's not working about this, is it that nobody's 
you know, is it that I just haven't done it long enough? Or is it that like, I'm feel like I'm pushing because I don't even enjoy, like, I don't even want to be doing this anymore. But I, I had a lot of that at the beginning of my business where like, oh, well, I said I was going to do this. And like the ego of like needing to see it through and prove myself, but halfway through, I kind of knew it wasn't like the right thing anymore. Then I pushed for too long after because I was afraid to like change course. Mm -hmm. What did it look like then? Like, what did you pivot out of? Honestly, when I first started, I didn't really have like a viable business idea. I've always like stuck super true to my mission and the concept and the productive wellness. Like it's going to be a movement and a huge industry in one way or another. Hopefully Cacti will take it there. But I think regardless, we'll be along for the ride. It's like the the baby of hustle culture and like over the top self-care. Like those things need to eventually come and find this fluid togetherness, especially now that- An integration. Yes, like the we're working more remote, more from home, like lifestyle is just changing for our whole society. But I think like the way that it's looked over time has changed from whether I wanted it to be like one-on-one consultations, whether I wanted it to be like me going into businesses and doing workshops. And eventually I was like, I think like you said before, like I like to perform, I like to teach. So I've wanted to find a way that I could kind of do that on like a larger scale but I also like feel super aligned with what I'm doing now. And before it was like, I was tr- I was kind of trying to force business models that I didn't actually want to do because I wanted to monetize the idea. Well, guess what? Those didn't monetize anyway. So it was like kind of not a waste of time because it helped me shape what I'm doing now. But like, there's no quick fix. It's a learning that you have to kind of like go through it to actually understand it and make peace with it. I'm the type of person that needs to like touch the fire sometimes mm-hmm. and like see it for myself yeah. and then be like, oh, okay, never mind. For some things, for some things I can learn from other people. But I do think that like when you've done something for money and like see how far it can take you and then you also do something not for the money and see where that lands, like always, at least in my experience, the things that are not money first go a thousand times further yeah. than other. And it's like the money comes. Again, it's one of those things that I, I don't even know if like to say it on this podcast because like I think for the most of us, like we need to experience that for ourselves. What is something that you know for sure that you wish everyone knew? I just think like the most important thing in your life is the relationship with yourself because it's going to be your longest relationship and it's going to be your most intimate relationship. And so you need to like who you spend all your time with in your head all day. And there's so many resources to make sure that you do. Again, that's one of those things, you know, we find ourselves over and over and over again. I think you talk about like coming home to yourself a lot, but ultimately it's like during all those phases, you need to embrace where you are and who you are. And it's good to have goals, but like, how can you also be happy with who you are in the moment? I love that. What is something that you have had to unlearn? These are good questions. They're hard. <laughs> I should have sent you a prep, but I, I kind of like no, I like it. Yeah, me too. I think one thing that I'm like constantly working on is my relationship with money. And I feel like for everyone, those beliefs are usually things that were ingrained in you when you were super young because you didn't really know what money was, but you watched your guardians or parents or whoever you were spending time with that was like dealing with the money, deal with it. They probably learned how to deal with it through whoever they had been spending their childhood time with. And so it can be this like, and that probably goes no matter what your background is. But I think that the way that I originally learned or felt about money is like exactly the opposite of how I now as my like highest self look at it. And so I just, that's kind of like an unlearning thing. It's like kind of constant because it's 
this like fear will creep in, but I, I'm really big into like abundance mindset about if you're aligned with what you're doing and you're putting out the right things, like you will figure it out and doesn't mean make stupid money decisions, but also like live life and take chances. Businesses cost a lot of money. It's usually worth it if you're betting on yourself. So just unlearning, I guess, like fear of debt and fear of spending and just general stress about the topic. Like I'm always trying to unlearn that. I have full body chills. Really? <laughs> yeah, you I really do. A thousand percent. I mean, you and I talked about this yeah. in my coffee the other day. Like a thousand percent. I think that it's it's also really interesting. I'm probably going to do a whole solo or hopefully I can have this girl on the podcast. Uh, do you know Lacey Phillips from Expanded? Oh, yeah. So she always talks about how actually love and money are the same energy. And I don't really even understand this fully. The last episode that they did on their podcast, I'll actually link it in the show so that we can send people there, talks about that. But like those two energies are very much the same and they stem from worth. That is like literally the same thing. So when one thing is going well, the other one will mirror mm. typically. Or I mean, it can, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Because it's like both love and money stem from worth. And worth, I feel like has a lot to do with confidence. And when you're feeling super confident, obviously you're like more attractive to others. Mm -hmm. So for love, I feel like that's a big one. You're also more willing to give love because you're like feeling good about yourself. So you want others to feel good about that. Exactly. And then with money, I feel like I'm, when I'm feeling confident, I'm like so much more willing to like network and make the ask and like put myself out there for like opportunities to come Mm -hmm. in, whether they're financial or not. But sometimes you don't expect Totally. The money to come from certain things and then it does. Totally. I'm going to send you the podcast after and I'm going to link it. Tax season. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I love taxes. No, you do actually. I literally just like using my loving energy. Oh, 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 I was like, girl, literally, (laughs) like that is the part of the brain that I just did not come equipped with. Okay, last question. So this podcast is called Active Ingredient. I feel like I've, like you changed cacti's like way that it comes and like even my relationship to the name of the show like has evolved. I think that the true thing has always been at the core, which is that I believe every single person on planet earth has a core essence, a gift, an ingredient, which is why it's called Active Ingredient, that is so unique to you. And our job on this earth is to activate it. It's a choice. Mm. And so we activate that ingredient that exists in that core I believe that you're someone who's living and breathing in your activated ingredient. So what would you say is your deepest ingredient? Can you tell me yours? I would say I have an ability to see people deeply. Yeah. That's like back to what I first said about the listening. Okay. My active ingredient. I think that I am, I don't necessarily know the right word for it. Like meant to be like an expander for other people almost like a mirror, but of like what they could do because every six, like whenever I'm having success, I like want people to see it so that not to like show off what I'm doing, but so that they can understand that they could too do that. So I don't know the word for it, but I feel like- Expander. Yeah, something to that. I love that. I mean, that goes to like the main thing of life. It's like when when you gravitate towards someone, it can be a creator, it can be- an actor can be someone that you know in your friend group. What When you're gravitating towards someone and like 
either you want something. Also, it's something to keep in mind when like people feel jealousy or an intense emotion, whether that be like, I really want to like be around them or like there's something about them that I'm attracted to or I can't like I'm so irritated. It's reflecting something within you. And so especially when you're like seeing someone in a light of like, wow, I want to be doing something like that. Like you're an expander, like you're a light for so many people. What it's actually doing to the person who sees you as light is it's just a remembrance that they have that same light within them. So it's like the more that that can exist in the world, the more people come home to themselves because they're like, oh, if she has that light and it's reminding me of my light, it can bring out my light. And then that happens. They rise and then someone else sees their light in that person. So it's like a constant uplifting uplifting of everyone. And I think doing it in like a, a way that feels really accessible is really important to me. Yeah. We'll get comments at events that I love this when people are like, you just do like everyone's talking to each other. Do all these people know each other? And it's like, no, you're great at that too. Like bringing together a group. But it's like, I don't think that that's my number one strength, but I really like thrive when it's like, you can just look around and all these people that don't know each other are talking Mm -hmm. because people feel comfortable ultimately. Yeah. Like in the environment. It's If it's your event, it's because you're setting the tone. Like if you're coming from that actual place and you're like, no, I actually am doing this because like I want to be that expander for other people. And that's the intention. No matter which way you slice it, that room is going to feel like that. Right. Especially after a couple of deep breaths. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Where can people find you? Tell us about cacti. Like how much is it a month? Let's just like say what it is. Okay. Yeah. So... If you're in New York, we do a bunch of New York events. We oh, also. actually, sorry to cut you off, but someone messaged me randomly and they were like, I'm having a really hard time finding community in New York. Like okay. I, they just graduated and I pointed them to you and I was like, she has the best events with the best people. So yes. that's a huge topic that I hear from people like I'm having a hard time making aligned friends. Yeah. Go to Kira's events. Yeah. And actually we have a group chat community on Geneva. Geneva. So I can have you link that if people want to join because I post all the New York events in there. Okay. That's like mostly what I use it for, honestly is to kind of like keep people in the loop and make sure that they can get a spot if there's stuff coming up. But in terms of the app, that's like the easiest way to stay in touch. And that's Cacti Wellness. Download it in the app store. It's $14.99 a month. So super affordable. And that's two coffees in New York. Yep. It's like a quarter (laughs) of a workout class, but you have workouts for the whole month. So it's a lot of fun. And then, oh, I guess Instagram is probably the easiest place to like connect with me. Kira Jones super simple and then everything's linked there amazing thank you so much thank you thank you so much for getting to the end of the episode and more importantly thank yourself for choosing to learn more about how to come home to yourself as always take what resonates with you and simply let go of what doesn't i would really appreciate it if you can give the show five stars on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever it is that you listen because that's the way that the show will continue to grow And we are all about growth here. I'm sending you so much love and I will see you next week.